Well, good morning, everyone. How many uh, first-time visitors do we have today? All right. Howard, you know, don't you? That's wonderful. Tracy and I, we feel like we're visitors. We've been out for a couple weeks, and uh, it's just great to be be back. And I notice uh, the Whataburgers, as we come into town, is coming along in two weeks. So that's that's pretty good. Of course, I've been delivered from that. So, uh, but that's more for you. How about that? Yeah. Well, I'm very honored to uh, be behind the pulpit today and to uh, to bring the word of God today. And our uh, title later in the service is Rooted and Grounded in Him. And uh, I, I just feel uh, God's leading to that. And it's most appropriate for the time in which we live is to be rooted and grounded in Him. Amen. Let's go home now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to share first, Adam, if you uh, help me. Thank you. Uh, if you can see that. Uh, Whoever did that uh, PowerPoint, you can blame them. That would, that would be me. Uh, but I am working with the Papillon Center based in Gallatin, but we, hold, we serve the entire state of Tennessee. We are the sole affiliate of the National Organization of Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders United, based out of Washington, D.C. The president of FASD United is uh, Tom Donaldson, his father is Sam Donaldson. He used to be the ABC uh, White House correspondent. And uh, it's just, I came uh, involved with this work in ministry. It's a Christian 501c3 ministry uh, last July. And and uh, by September last year, uh, on a Sunday night, I was having dinner with him, just he and I. It, the way we worked, went through the line, uh, we just had a, a time to connect and uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is not a diagnosis. It is a spectrum of things that that happen at uh, in the in the development of a baby uh, from the time of conception through the pregnancy uh, time. At any time, it is unknown that how uh, a certain level of alcohol can impact the development of a baby. And it can come from the male at the time of conception, or it can come from the, the, the mother throughout the time of her birth. And some of the stats are here uh, that, that you can see 1 in 20 elementary school students in the United States uh, it impacts, which is two and a half times more prevalent than autism. Autism is a buzzword. And autism came about by billable insurance many years ago uh, through the United States Department of Defense working with the military families. The military uh, health care system is the largest health care system in our country. Uh, and last year when we were up at uh, D.C. for three or four days meeting with members of Congress, on our last day we were able to meet as a group with the United States Department of Defense. And they have... Uh, asked the national office to collaborate with them in a four-year study to work with uh, newborns, uh, which they have over 100,000 newborn babies every year in the military, believe it or not. That's, that's a lot of youngins. And to track and see in a four-year study the implications of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And let's see where you at. Sorry to turn my back to you. I feel like a, a orchestra leader, but... Uh, out of the 80,000-some babies born in Tennessee, 4,000 are estimated to have FASD. 
And roughly 85% of the children that we see in the diagnostics clinics come from adoption or foster care. Uh, we've been able to uh, uh, develop a contract with the Department of Children's Services this year that we've already implemented and started in July that now we are training their employees and the 12,000-plus foster parents across Tennessee if they would like to go through our trainings, which is great, and it's a, a faith-based concept uh, to them, and it's a really great practices. We're really uh, honored about that, and we've had uh, dialogue out of the commissioner's office for the Department of, of Corrections, and also Friday I received an email out of the commissioner's office for the Tennessee Department of Education to go and help uh, with the uh, school nurses, uh, supervisors across the uh, state, because it impacts so many, but you never heard of it. How many ever heard of a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder? I know. That's why I'm involved in it. I've, I've done a lot of things in my career and in my life, and when I found out about this, I thought, boy, this is one to go to the wall one because you're helping children. And and I, I sensed in my spirit what was going to happen with the, with the politics of things and about the Supreme Court that it's going to come because if my people will humble and pray, I will heal your land and I will forgive you of your sins, and good things will happen. And we need to be ready to take care of our babies and our children so that they can grow up and hear the voice of God and a stranger's voice will not follow. Again, we can go home, right? Yeah. I've learned in life little segments go a long way. And I'll tell you a little bit. For years, I was a Presbyterian minister just recently. And I had like 18 to 22 minutes a Sunday to preach. And it wasn't because of the church. It was because I did two churches. I had to go from Alexandria up to Watertown in an X amount of time. And everyone wanted to talk to Tracy and I. And I had to get going, you know. The only thing I could say was, praise the Lord, we didn't have a horse. You know, we could drive a car, you know. But I wanted to... Next slide there, Adam, buddy. Uh this is another thing. This is why I uh, have solicited our Department of Education. Nationally, it is not tracked in special education. So if you're a single parent, you take off at 2 o'clock from uh, Purity Dairies, and you have a child that has an IEP and they have an FASD, uh, and you're hearing what's going on, all they can talk about is like, well, we'll talk about the autistic part of this. We can talk about the attention deficit part about this. But a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is an organic brain disorder. And that that impedes your cause and effect. That's why so many are in the judicial system because you think, well, they're just rebellious. Well, no, they don't get it. You know, you need to help them. And I understand about uh, the, the, how the enemy comes is with rebellion and things like that. I understand that. Uh, but you think about one out of 20 in our country in elementary schools that have a connection to this, and our own Department of Education doesn't track it. That, that, but there is legislation. I know Senator Haggerty, Senator Blackburn, uh, our members of the House, they are aware of these things. And the next slide, please. We have uh, one of uh, Senator Haggerty's uh, representative coming. We have a gala this Thursday night, and I'm, I'm bringing it up so that you can pray about it. And also, I want wanted to invite you, if you would have interest in coming, it's sort of like, as, as I told Adam, it's like being a part of the FA, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Wilson County. I know Brother Larry is a, a member of the board of that, and when they come, there is to, no charge to that but just to make a uh, donation if you'd like to make a donation. That's the way that we are. But if you'd like to come, let me know soon so we we know that you're coming. 
And we also, at the organization, which is based in Gallatin, we have a need for two board members, and we also have a need for uh, some professional trainers that, uh, as we ratchet this up, that we can take this even more across Tennessee and even nationally because the national organization, Rob Shear, has been so helpful in help, uh, getting us to a format that we can have a workbook uh, through Amazon that now that we have our CEO was in Denver two weeks ago and she's going to Canada soon back in the in the woods of Canada uh, to uh, talk about this because they have a high, high uh, prevalence, prevalence of this. We also have a footprint in Kentucky. They have been able to purchase their own building now in Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, they do a fantastic job. These are all Christian-based. And then we also have a footprint in Montana as well. And Montana has a very high prevalence of alcoholism uh, because of just the uh, isolation and, and so forth up in, in that area. And I love Montana myself. So uh, that's, but that happened before I got there. So, but I, I wanted to say something about the gala. We have received a generous uh, note from a local foundation that they will match twenty thousand dollars to the first twenty thousand dollars given on the night of the banquet, or up to that. So that would be for any sponsorships and and everything too. So I, I just wanted to say that uh, we're really like a mom and pop type of organization, but we do great things, you know, with, with that. And and the the bang for the buck is is amazing. I've I've met with uh, Stephen Goldbold. He's the COO of the East Tennessee Children's Hospital. And if you've ever been over there, and my son-in-law uh, was able to broker that meeting with our boss and Chelsea Ivers, who's a uh, Senator Haggerty, and he said, have you ever seen our campus in the one tower? And it's like, yeah, I've been over there because of our kids or grandchildren uh, have had to use the facility before. And the one one, one whole tower was built explicitly for this type of issue in the NICU unit. And uh, so that that's something that's very uh, uh, near and dear to us. So... Uh, before I get into the message, I, 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 w- I wanted to give us something, too, to think about, if you would, the things to ponder as you work with young people and, and children and, and even one, to no- one another. You know, when we uh, keep c- criticizing our kids, they don't stop loving you. They stop loving themselves. And this is so important in 2023 in the United States of America. Children must never work for our love. They must rest in it. They must rest in our love. And I want to tell you something. What we don't repair, it will be repeated in life. How about that? That's good stuff. And it's biblically-based type of principles, so I like that. Uh, I just wanted to mention real quick before I get into the message that uh, uh, my lovely wife and I, we've been married. It will be next month, 40, 39 years. Uh, I know. Getting there, following you, Ricky. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Uh, and we have two children, uh, and we love Mount Juliet. Our one, our son is uh, 31 now, and married to Chelsea Lenning. How many know Vince and Liz Lenning? How many knew L- Luther Lenning, the mayor of Mount Juliet, one time? That's a granddad. Uh, and yeah, and then uh, our other, uh, our daughter. And our son-in-law has, uh, they have four children, uh, over in Knoxville area. And I know Mike's here, Lonis, Lonis. Uh, 
at Mike Clonus's uh, fourth great uncle and my son-in-law's fourth great grandfather, Charles Lonis, started in 1855 Gallagher Memorial Baptist Church in Knoxville, right at West Hill, by the right on top of the West Hill Mall. If you go through 40, you can see it. Big, big building up on the hill, right across the street from Bearden High School. He started the church. Guess who's the pastor today? My son-in-law. When I'm, when we're not here, that's where we're there a lot, you know? Last time, uh, Dr. Fowler uh, spoke two weeks ago. He's the president of Carson Newman and, and, uh, he just, he's a great guy, you know, to, to know. That's a great university if you have a young person, uh, thinking about schools. That's, that's a wonderful school. So, uh, but we've, uh, uh, are just honored to be here at this church. Pastor Larry and uh, Sister Ann are some incredible individuals. Uh, I don't know where you can get any better Bible teaching in our community than through Brother Larry. Brother Larry does an amazing job with biblical concepts of teaching and pre- uh, preaching of God's Word. And I'm honored to be here. And uh, I know uh, you said, well, you come and you go. Well, uh, in, in my life, I've, I've done things a little bit out of the normal uh, things of a, of a ministry, I guess, you know, and I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to make it really hard myself and do something different. You know, it's a, I felt called. And in 2002, I had two principals come to me and say, Tim, uh, we know you're a minister and we don't have a pastor. Would you come and just guest speak? Well, that lasted almost 18 years, <laughs> you know, how that was. So, uh, uh, and they were both Presbyterian. Uh, in Watertown First Presbyterian, Liberty Hill Presbyterian Church in Alexandria. Uh, wonderful churches. One was, uh, founded in 1911 and one was 1890. And, uh, the beautiful congreg- congregations, wonderful people. I didn't change my message. They loved it. You know, it's like, wow, who's this cat? Man, this is good stuff, you know? And it's like, like I said, 18, 22 minutes. You can do a lot in 18 minutes and 22 minutes. I mean, one word from God can change your life. You know, D. James Kennedy was in dancing. Uh, he was a professional dancer. And he heard in the radio on the, on the fly about something. And it pricked his heart to the point that night it made him think about where he's going to uh, be in eternity. And he ended up being at uh, Coral Ridge uh, Presbyterian Church. And you may have watched him on TV many years ago. But uh, I wanted to share, uh, is, let's find uh, the, our scripture today. Go ahead, Adam. If you haven't, okay, uh, I'm still getting used to this. You know, one of them said, man, you look like Garth Brooks. I said, well, the only thing we have in common is I do have friends in low places, man. So uh, I do have that, you know. Uh, let's go to uh, Jeremiah 17. If you would like to stand and uh, give you a little adjustment right now. Uh, and I will be sensitive to your time. I got a lot here to, to cover, which is good. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 1 through 8. The sin of Judah is written with an iron pen, with a diamond point, it is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. While their children remember their altars and their sacred poles, beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains and the open country, your wealth and all your treasures, I will give for spoil as the price of your sin throughout all your territory. But your own act you shall, shall lose the heritage that I gave you, And I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger, a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. 
Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert. They shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes and leaves, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Amen. Now, if we are at Liberty Hill or First Presbyterian, I would say the word of the Lord. And you would say, thank you, Ricky. Amen. (laughs) You may be seated. And since you're so kind this morning, Paul tells the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 3, 16 to 18, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Amen. Roots. Roots. Boy, it's been brutal on roots this time of the year, the last 10 days. Actually, it was cooler in Myrtle Beach than at home. I had to have uh, our sun go and water our plants because uh, we, we we had to replant after uh, Christmas Day. You know how that was this year. You know, the, the flash freeze. And uh didn't want to uh, do that again, you know. Uh, but roots, that the definition that part of the plant which penetrates the soil and draws up sap and nourishment for the plant. And I love this comment. I know Brother Larry's been uh, camped in uh, Psalm 78, or as he would say, the gospel of Psalm 78. And what was ironic last week, uh, we we're, of course, on Eastern time and we we're on the beach don't get mad. We were on the beach and the water still goes out and it comes in. I'm just telling you that in case you haven't been there. Uh, and it, we basically had it to ourselves with school in and everything. And we we're in Myrtle Beach and, and, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, it's, it's time for church. And I just got it towards the tail end of that. But prior to that, Tracy was reading Psalm 78 and she made the comment like, boy, this is like a New Testament scripture. <laughs> Well, hot rod behind the pulpit, what did he say? Well, this is sort of like the gospel of uh, uh, Psalm 78. And I've been writing copious notes. I didn't bring it with you. But I told Adam that this sermon, I've never in my life remember a sermon the way that I went about this and the way it came together in, in many years. And I told Tracy this morning, Adam, too, please, Lord, don't let it be like C-SPAN at 2 a.m. You know what I mean. So I'm just kidding you. But Messiah... As the root of Jesse is not a sucker from the root. Now, that word sucker, how many have tomato plants that you grow? What do they tell you to do? Well, when that sucker comes out, you pull it. What's it do? Well, when a sucker is involved, it takes from the nourishment of what you're trying to really grow. Jesus is not a sucker from the root, but himself is the origin and strength of the Masonic, uh, Messianic line. As a root out of dry ground depicts his lowly surroundings in contrast to his inner vigor. You know, I love this quote here. 
And think about it in our culture today. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. You know, we hear a lot of talk. You know, Paul even tells this to the church at Corinth. There's many voices in the world and all have significance. And to the church, pay attention. When you hear things that hit your spirit, you can almost put a bead on it that there's something that's not rooted there. Because I want to tell you, the things of God are peace and pleasantness. The peace of God will flow when God is involved. And when you hear things that disrupt your soul and your spirit, that's something for us to pay attention to. And we're called to pray. We're called to pray and to stand in the gap. That's something that we don't hear enough preaching on in American pulpits is standing in the gap for a lost and dying world that does not understand. Predating the, uh, the American Revolution, Jonathan Edwards in Stark Bridge, Massachusetts, the, the, the famous sermon that he had uh, about the very uh, gates of hell and how people were moaning and crying in the congregation to the point that his descendants later put a monument in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, uh, making this a remembrance of a great awakening to our country. And it starts with us. It starts with the church. It starts at home. It starts in your lives. It starts today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Don't get ready. Today is the day. You can't fix it, or you already would have. If you're the greatest mind in all the wealth in this country, you still don't have enough if you've never met the Master, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Too many have lost their sense of roots, their foundation. Forgetting history is very dangerous. Forgetting your roots will only lead you further from your sweet home. Boy, Think about it. Uh, if if you were around a a home and a nurturing home, that's that that when you come around holidays or you get to to come together, that it feels like so good to be home. You know, it's so good to be home. And I understand some have not been raised in homes like that, and and I understand that. And maybe you're adopted or you're you're a foster uh, a child that's an adult now. Man, you're in great company. Read about Moses. Read about his life. He was adopted. And I have one better than that. Read about all of us. We're adopted into his glory. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's a place for everyone. There is no one out of his box in the name of Jesus. We're all in his, his, his car. The heart wants roots, but the mind wants wings. You know, uh, what does a rooted and grounded Christian look like? First thing that comes to my mind is prayer. You know, in uh, Philippians 4 and 4 and 7, uh, you can look at that, but Second Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know if we understand that. It says, my people, we're special. We're, we're, he calls us my people, my people. 
And I understand who he's talking to, but I also understand the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. It changed the world the day when the, when the veil of the, of the, in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. It changed things. It changed it. It changed the dialogue. It changed it. You went into a different lifestyle. And, 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 and it's just like every time I, I read the early writings of Paul and, and Peter in the book of Acts, and think, I think of it this way. They are pioneering something that has never been done under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I also then think of Hebrews 13 and 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I have been appointed for this time in our lives today. This is our time to do the work of the of God. This is the generation that we're in. And it's amazing of, of the goodness of God. You know, I'd rather be able to pray than to be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but how to pray. Love that. And I selected two, uh, two of the, uh, the fellows I enjoy reading, Dwight Moody and, and, uh, John Wesley. And you think about, well, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty famous, aren't they? I mean, really? Yeah. Guess, guess when they were living? How about, how about Dwight Moody? When was he living? I mean, it's a shame that they want to mess with history today, but I'll tell you about history. Dwight Moody was living during the Civil War. How about John Wesley? When was he living? And he was faithful to the crown, but he's faithful to the King of Kings. He, he, he was able to walk that delicate, delicate life during the American Revolution. John Wesley grew up in church. And on a boat one day, on his way to Savannah, Georgia, with some Moravians, understood something. Wow, I think I'm going to die. And they're huddled in a corner praying. And it changed his life. And his brother Charles, Charles wrote how many hymns? Don, thousands of hymns. We sing today with God's anointing today. It changed his life. And he said, John said, prayer is where the action is. Second point is sharing Christ. Prayer is so important, people. Prayers, and, and it's really simple. Communication with God. You may have just received Christ this week. And like, boy, I don't want all this theology. No, Jesus doesn't want it either. He wants a relationship. <laughs> he wants to love you. Come and talk to him how you would your dad or your mom or your friend. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. Just pray to him in Jesus' name. Let him know your heart's desires. Maybe you're in sin and you think, oh, boy, what am I going to do? He's going to find out about it. Well, he found out when he committed it. You know, it's just you recognize it. He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and forgive all your sins. Amen. Number two is sharing Christ. And I know this is uh, easy, but it, it says this. In Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem. My witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, the, some of the personal examples in my life, I received the call of God uh, early in my life. I was at my great aunt's house and uncle's house in 4042. Ormond Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on a given Saturday evening. I remember it well. And in my, uh, in, 
in, in that time, it was like a boat appeared to me and said, I've made you a fisher of men. And, and it, I, I took it to heart, you know, to, to know how I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a very small, simple lifestyle. I didn't know Ralph Lauren until I met my wife. I didn't know who Ralph Lauren was, you know. I knew J.C. Penney, you know. I thought, you know, you know, I thought he lived in town. No, I didn't think that way. But, but I was around horses, cows, hogs, things like that, you know. Our, our hometown was founded in 1731. To this day, they only have 5,500, you know. But out of that, out of that, Michael Campbell came. He was the grandson of our founder. Guess, guess where he ended up? At Windsor Estate off of Donaldson Road. He owned 40,000 acres. So 40,000 acres is a lot of property. We may be where he, his property was at one time. You know? I'm just saying. It's just amazing. But I didn't know. I, I mean, I had this call. I had it on my life. We were at a Methodist church at this time, and, and it was in uh, it was in between of the World Council of Churches and the and things like that. And our pastor was uh, a charismatic individual. He he went to some Oral Roberts meetings and really got baptized in the Holy Spirit and was on fire for the Lord and and uh, with the deacons and elders and 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 he he just said I I can't really do this anymore. So he started a new church in in town and. And, uh, that was sort of delicate, but anyhow, I got involved in that and I, I became the first associate pastor. I went on to college in, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, the Wesleyan College. Uh, Tracy's a graduate of Oral Roberts University and with her, uh, nursing background and, and, uh, the full gospel businessman. I mean, I was, I was 15, 16 years old and they invited me to go to the full gospel businessmen's fellowship meeting at the Holiday Inn in Chambersburg in, uh, off of 81 and, and, and being around those men, it just really stirred something up in me as a young person. And, and it just went, uh, from, from there to a clarity and ministry. And I'm saying these things because how about your life? You have a story. You have a story in your life too. Don't, don't forget your story. Don't forget your story. <laughs> There's a reason you have a story. It's, it's your his story of him in you, in your life, right? Uh, and, and Trace and I get married in September 22nd, 1984. She's already at this time working at a hospital. And lo and behold, she brings the things that she learned at Oral Roberts University into the Chambersburg Hospital area in her field of nursing. And by that, every patient she had was an opportunity to pray and watch the healing touch of Jesus on their lives, whether they knew it or not. And one night, she had a man in his 40s. Uh, that had, uh, was told in her report that he is not probably going to make it overnight, that his heart is so bad that, uh, he'll probably not make it through the night. Tracy gets in there and talks to the gentleman. And, uh, I know this is not a story because I've lived with her. She doesn't, <laughs> she'll talk to him. I'm telling you, you know, and she talked to him and wanted to know, where are you with Jesus? Well, well, uh, I'm not in a very good place. I'm not in a very good place. And she said, well, you, you better. You better get in a good place. She prayed with him and talked to him about it. And it was back at, at he was so bad that, that she had one-on-one care with him. So throughout the whole night, she was praying with him, probably in tongues and under, under her uh, breath and everything. And uh, Tracy, what happened? Oh, I know. I know. 
Come on up here. They can't hear you at home or in uh, Israel or wherever they're watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I was probably. Wait a minute. Am I on? I can talk with you. You're always on. I was just a really. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just a really young nurse. I was probably 24, 25. Been married to him for a year. It was my second job in nursing, and um, the, I could feel the Holy Spirit all over me that night. And they told me he's going to die. I said he's not dying on my shift. I'm telling you, he will not die tonight. And the, God was operating through me in a very powerful way. So that night I was praying over him, didn't turn the lights on. I was kind of working in the dark, checking his monitors and his leads. And God just impressed on me, you're going to have to pray through this night to keep him up and alive. Well, in the morning he woke up and he had been very, very critical. And I said to him, where are you with God? I mean, this is, I don't know if you're going to come out of here. And he said, and he said, I heard you muttering all night. What were you doing? I said, I was praying over you because they told me you weren't going to live till morning. And I told him, yes, you were. And I said, but I knew I had to pray for you. And he had been a Christian, but he had backslidden terribly. And he left the church, the Lord and everyone. And, um, he throughout that journey after I said that to him and it, sometimes God works through and you don't even realize and it just comes out and I said boldly you have got to get your life right with Christ right now you've got to recommit yourself he did and um, about four days later I came back on shift and he was in the step down unit and I went to see him and check on him just because that's what we do for our patients and um, thank you and he um, said Tracy I've given my heart back to Christ, and I still cry about this. And he said, um, "I." Um, they came in and did EKGs on me, and my heart is totally, perfectly fine. I'm healed. So he gave his life, to, and God did a healing in him. There was no more evidence of a, a major infarct in his heart, and he, his heart was healed. And I wasn't, I don't know, I prayed all night, but I wasn't expecting that. I just wanted him to be saved regardless. And after that, throughout the years in that area, he gave his life to Christ and went in the ministry and was on fire for God. Yeah. So his yeah. name was Nelson Neville, and I'll never forget him. Yeah. I, you know, it was it was really impressive to me what God was willing to do for that man and how much he loves us. Amen. 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 Uh, and you know, that was in 1985 or whatever. How about 2023? The same yesterday, today, and forever. We just read Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people pray, heal the land. <laughs> yeah. How about Joshua? Every, every step that you take is the land that I've given you. Where's your mission? Where are you? I loved Oral Roberts. He used to say, go into every man's world. There was a realtor when we lived in Tulsa, and I loved what she her slang her uh, saying was taking Tulsa yard by yard. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but the highest reported usage of binge drink, drinking and marijuana, it was reported just last Friday nationally here in America. Prior to that, it was when we graduated from high school. She was seventy eight, and I was seventy nine. Now it's higher than. And uh, the individual reports of high levels of loneliness and the sense of hopelessness.
And in May of 2023, uh, the Gallup poll uh, surveyed adults that only 31% were attending church. I have no idea what the sample poll was, but that's not good. That's not good. 31%. And my question is to us today, do we know how to witness? Do you know how to witness? And I would say that you have probably, uh, if you like coffee or if you like a certain recipe or something, you have told someone, boy, that's the best I've ever had, or that's the best lasagna or whatever I've ever had. That is a form of witnessing. That is something you have experienced and you're telling others. And that's what what Jesus is all about, is sharing Christ. When we were pastoring as a associate pastor that I was telling you about, we had about 325 after we walked, uh, moved out of the Methodist church. And uh, I led the Evangelism Explosion uh, program. And this is an old, old book, uh, but D, D. James Kennedy. Uh, and we had six sign up out of all that wanted to know, know about this. And, uh, you know, uh, we went through the, the book and everything. And the very principles are pretty incredible that are so uh, easy today about the life of ministry. You know, as I d- developed these gifts, one day I went to a ministry conference in Hackenstown, New Jersey. Remember, very small, very rural area. Watertown would look like Mount Pilot to me. You know, I know our beloved Larry uh, loves Mayberry. Well, Mount Pilot looked like Watertown to me, you know. Uh, we rarely ever ate out. That, that, that was because it was a hassle. We would just cook. And, and actually, the, the food that you would get at the house was better than you could get at a restaurant back in those days. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking back in the 60s so uh, and, and things like that. Uh, but but I went to New Jersey, and, and a miss minister uh, was there and never heard of him in my life. And uh, his name was Ed Dufresne. He came to me. He said, hey, let's, let's, let's go to lunch. We went to lunch. Hey, let's go to dinner. Okay. Uh, and I thought, I told Tracy, I said, man, something's happening out here. And he said, hey, he said, I, I need a church administrator, associate pastor. Would you have interest in it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said, yes. And I should have asked her first, but you know, I said, yeah. I mean, what do you do? I mean, it's like, oh, oh wow. And he was from Tulsa, Oklahoma, just came in from California. And uh, that's how we got to Tulsa. Uh, and we landed out in, in Tulsa and Tulsa at the time, was almost like Music City is today in the in the preaching world. I mean, on any given day, you could have all kinds of of nationally known, internationally known ministers that would come come through at that time. And it wasn't long that I started to uh, uh, sit under these teachings, be involved, and be be active uh, to to meet all all kinds of uh, individuals in in my life. Uh, one one of them was. Uh, uh, I was ordained then through Buddy and Pat Harrison. Uh, Pat is uh, Brother Hagen's uh, uh, daughter. Uh, and then Buddy. Buddy, many of you have uh, read the books through Harrison House Publishing. He owned Harrison House Publishing, and they started Faith uh, Christian Fellowship International Church. Well, he uh, ordained me and, uh, and, and Pat, 
and and uh, we had a relationship with him. He went on to be uh, with the Lord uh, some years ago, but uh, we would have a lot of fellowship with him and and Pat and uh, and uh, Ed would just have me right there as the healing line, lines would come in. I mean, we we got to meet Rod Parsley and Joni when they had like six hundred people at World Harvest Church and Ellen his his mother and and. Uh, it, it just, it, I mean, where I came from to where I was, it was just like learning, 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 you know, constantly. Then Dr. Summerall comes in, Lester Summerall. And uh, everything I heard about him was, yes, sir, yes, sir. I mean, he, if you, anyone has ever heard him, his voice is like thunder, almost like R.W. Schambach in the day. And when he was 74 years old, God uh, pressed upon him to start Feed the Hungry program. The first thing he did was buy a C-130 jet. Plane. Did you ever see a C-130? Huge. The military uses that to take food immediately to uh, Africa and to Ethiopia and various places. 74 years old. Brother Hagin was 59 when he started Rama Bible Training Center. So if you think you're getting older in life and you think, well, you know... You know, I, I had that thought too, but it, it, trust me, it's just a thought. <laughs> if, if you're living, you're still, uh, you're witnessing, you know what I mean, uh, with that. And one thing that helped me in my life, and I'm going to tell you this, it helped me so much. It helped me to this day. No one taught me this. I just felt it to do it. I went to the People's Drug Store in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, which is gone today. They're gone. Uh, it was a big drugstore chain at the time. They're gone. But I purchased three-by-five index cards, and I wrote down scripture ver- verses. On each card, a scripture ver- verse. I had 125 of those. Throughout the day, I would read those, read those, read those, read those, read those, read those. And you know what's so great? To this day, I'll have flashbacks of those cards in my head as I uh, minister to people. It just put in a foundation in my heart. And if you think about it, it's so scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He upholds all things by the word of his power. You think about how important the word of God is in our lives. Is to you grab a hold, hold of that. And I'm sensitive of our, of our time. I have so many notes that is just a, and then from there, uh, got involved with, uh, Norville Hayes and pastored his church in Crystal River and also in Cleveland, Tennessee. And to, uh, and he and Le- uh, Dr. Summerall were very good friends. So I got to be with him uh, quite a bit and, uh, hear personally, uh, Dr. Summerall's, uh, some of the things in his life and, and of course, Norville as well. We spent, uh, the holidays with Norville and, uh, uh, one thing about Norval, if you ever had shrimp, Tracy would have to, or Jimmy Dupree would have to, uh, shell his shrimp. He would never, uh, shell the shrimp. So I, I remember that as a little funny, uh, thing with him. But, uh, the, these gentlemen really meant a lot to me. And we even became, uh, in, up in Chambersburg with, uh, Jimmy Clanton. Uh, he was a rock star back in the 50s, and American Bandstand had a couple hits, and and uh, got his life turned around. He and Roxanne, and he ended up worshiping with John and Dodie Osteen in, uh, in uh, Lakewood Church. But then he moved up to Sam Schmucker's church in Lidditz, uh, town, in Lidditz, uh, Pennsylvania, outside of Lancaster. And we, we got to uh, get around him to hear about his things and, and what he is doing and a, a totally different perspective in his life. 
in something that happened right after Nelson Neville uh, was healed and, and, and saved, uh, our, our senior pastor said, hey, we have a guest speaker, and, and uh, would you mind uh, taking him out for dinner? Well, you know, I didn't know much about him, and, uh, and Tracy's a whale of a cook. You know, raised in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania and everything. And, you know, they, people who like to eat and they eat good up there. I'm telling you. Uh, but here the gentleman was Justice Duplessy. Say, who's that? Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you know his brother, David Duplessy. Did you ever hear of him? Johannesburg, South Africa. Look him up on the internet. He was known as Mr. Pentecost. Look up Justice Duplessy in his life. He would go and preach to thousands. And uh, at the time, he had a burden about the denominational churches and the charismatic movement at that time, how they can work together. It's like, you know, think about this. It's, we're serving one God, and, and the Holy Spirit can, can go and cross barriers and lines and things in life. Well, he came to our house and uh, had a meal with us, and he was working on a manuscript, and he gave me a copy. I still have it. And I was looking through the house the other day when Lester was uh, starting to feed the hungry. Uh, Harley Holt was his executive director and faxes something. And I don't know why I kept it, but I, I still had it. Of course, I also kept in 1978 a green little warning when I drove my grandfather's Datsun pickup truck to high school and I parked in a faculty member's uh, parking spot and gave me a warning, you know. So I kept that. I don't know why, you know, but uh, I'm just being honest, you know. But... Out of the life of ministry, if I look back, that's happened. It's not because of education. It's because of the providence of God, but also serving. I wanted to serve. I wanted to serve. I worked on a Mennonite farm. They paid me $10 a day some days. A lot of times I just would do it, you know. I just served. I wanted to serve. I wanted to serve. And a lifestyle outside of our needs and service to the Lord by helping others. It means so much. Uh, the next one, and I'm, I'm telling you, uh, strong in love and praise and, and faith. You know, I'll give you a Norval Hayes quote. If you praise God and worship him and praise God and worship him, he'll let you see what you're praying about. Amen. If you just praise him and praise him and worship him and praise him and, and worship him, you know, uh, it, yeah, you look at David and Saul. I know Ricky and I talked about that a lot. You know, that, that would stop Saul a lot when he would just minister. It just nip it, nip it, nip it. But love is the greatest of all. Don't run from love. Run to love. Be in love. John Wesley said, get a fire for God and men will come and see you burn. Dwight L. Moody said, I've noticed this, that when a man is full of the Holy Ghost, he is the very last man to be complaining. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Amen. Amen. And the next point, uh, are we okay on time? If you have to leave, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of Presbyterian a little bit. Don't say that to my uh, charismatic friends, but I'm good if you're good. And we're almost done. Yeah. And there's no clocks in here. I understand. Yeah. But this is another point. Remember our ancestors of old in history. Second uh, Timothy tells us this as he is ministering. And, uh, well, I sort of, well, 
It, it, it says this about your, your ancestors of old. Trust me about that. But to understand and re- reconnect with our stories, the stories of, of the ancestors is to build our identities. And that's what I wanted to drive in was to build our identities. And we started that off this morning in, in Jeremiah 17, one through eight. And God came really hard on the children of Israel because they forgot their identity. I told your ancestors how to do it and you chose not to. Your rebellion has caused a fire of anger in me. But I love God. He's the God of the second chance. 70 times 7. Maybe you're here today and you need a second chance. Today's your day. Don't walk out of here miserable. Don't walk out of here without clarity. Don't walk out of here without his peace today. Today is the day. You know, when a society or civilization perishes, one condition can always be found. They forgot where they came from. You know, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. In less than three years, we'll be celebrating 250 years of independence as a country. You don't hear much about it. But I sure remember the bicentennial in 1976. Well, I was not there in 1776, but I remember in 1976... My father had a white horse at the time. It was pretty cool. From Gettysburg to Seven Miles, he rode the horse as part of the United States Pony Express that day. You know, he was nervous as a cat, man. I hope I do a good job. I thought, man, you know, I was just a kid. I thought, Dad, just ride the horse, you know, ride the horse, you know. You know, you're not one, you're not with John Wayne or anything, you know, just ride the horse. But there's something I wanted to read to you today. That is, uh, Really uh, interesting because we forget about things. Do you ever notice you forget about things? Our commander-in-chief, George Washington, in a der- de- uh, on a uh, journal by Nathan uh, Snowden, he was an ordained minister, recorded an exper- uh, experience of Isaac Pott that was close to Valley Forge. He said, I heard a plate of sound as a man of prayer. I tied my horse to a sapling and went quietly into the woods. To my astonishment, I saw the great commander-in-chief George Washington on his knees alone with a sword on one side and his cocked hat on the other. He was at prayer to the God of the armies, beseeching to impose with his divine aid as it was the crisis and the cause of the country of humanity and of the world. Such a prayer I never heard from the lips of a man. I left him alone praying. I went home and told my wife, I saw a sight and heard today what I never saw or heard before and just related to her what I had seen and heard and observed. We never thought a man could be a soldier and a Christian, but if there is one in the world, it's Washington. She was so astonished. We thought it was the cause of God and America could, could prevail. He then put out his right hand and said, I turned right and became a Whig. <laughs> but how about that? We need more in leadership to pray. You need to pray for those in leadership. The Bible tells us to pray for our president, for those in leadership every day, that we should pray for them and up, uplift them. And then I'll close with this last one is 
as we're rooted and grounded, we're looking for his coming. Our gaze should be on Christ and his return as we go about his our daily lives in service to him. I think it's very interesting in Proverbs 31, it even mentions the virtuous woman that her gaze and look to the future is bright. She looks forward to the future. And John Wesley said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And what we tolerate today becomes the norms of tomorrow. And, you know, preach that to ourselves. What are you tolerating? What are you tolerating in your life? Change it today. And I'll close with this. It'll take a little bit, but I'm going to close. I'll be a good preacher, and I'll keep to my word. In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by the day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he is a reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he is our advocate. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning for life. In the Song of Solomon, he is a loving broom bride, a bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the outpour of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the, our burden bearer. In Abaca, he is our judge and savior. In Jonah, he is the risen prophet. In Micah, he's the rule, ruler of the world from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is our stronghold. In Abaca, he is the watchman. In Zephaniah, he's the mighty to save. In Haggai, he's the restorer. In Zechariah, he is the branch of David, the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the his, his Christ, the son of the living God. And Mark, he is the servant miracle worker. And Luke, he is the baby in the manger, the son of man. And John, he's the son of God, the living word, the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, he's the savior of the world, the ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In Second Corinthians, he's our comfort. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. In Colossians, he is our completeness and the glue that holds our world together. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is the coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is our mediator. In Philemon, he is our benefactor. In Titus, he is the blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is our perfection. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In First and Second Peter, he is our chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In first, second, third, John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith, our security. And in the book of Revelation, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Soon to come. Amen. 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 Let's stand to our feet real, uh, at this time. And, and I wanted to offer a moment of ministry. If you have any prayer needs, uh, 
please uh, make your way to the front. And if you, uh, uh, and if, if you need to go, uh, please feel free to, to go as well. But I really feel that this could be a turning point in someone's life. You could be a Nelson Nivel here today that has been around the church for years and you're in a tough spot in your life and you need just one word and just one person to agree with you. Yeah, you, you really don't need the prayer of agreement. It's one method in prayer. But we are here to help serve you. And when we pray with you, we know that two can put a thousand to flight. Uh, one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. And the prayer of agreement is wonderful. We know wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the very midst of you. So if anyone needs any prayer or ministry, Tracy and I can pray with you at this time. We'd love to. If, if not, we'll, uh, we'll close our service. But I really appreciated the opportunity today, and, and, uh, and uh, it went a little bit different than I, all the hours I spent into it. But that's a good thing. Amen. I, I wanted to cover all the bases, you know. I didn't want to get a foul and say you missed third base as you went around, you know, going home. So, amen. Amen. How about if I just pray for all of you right now, all right? Just lift your hands towards heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this wonderful group. Lord, we have a confession this day that we will serve you all the days of our lives. We will bless you and we will worship you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We'll hear the voice of the great shepherd and a stranger's voice will not follow. We will love you and love this world, Father. We pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray, Father, for our community that the power of God will go forth right now, ministering to men, women, boys, and girls in our generation, Father, to see your hand upon us. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Amen.